With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're home alone. You have an uneasy feeling in the darkness. Like someone or something is watching you. Why is it suddenly cold in this room? You hear footsteps, whispers, or even laughter. You go to check. You feel a presence behind you. And then the fear sets in. I'm K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. Well, my name is Neil Parks. Uh, that is also my pen name for the books that I write. My full name is Derry Neil Parks, which is D-E-R-R-Y. It's Irish, which uh, I'm part Irish, so it sticks with the lineage. Uh, I got into the paranormal at a very early age because of encounters I had from uh, very young, around the age of three and five and so forth, and then getting sucked into documentary series that existed in the 70s and 80s that were hosted by like Leonard Nimoy and uh, uh, geez, what was his name? I think um, Leonard Borgnine, it was world mysteries. And they talked about the Bermuda Triangle and UFO sightings and Bigfoot sightings. And it just really piqued my interest. And then I had a, a love for literature from Edgar Allan Poe and Stephen King. And I was reading Stephen King at a very young age. Um, it just it kind of got sucked into the macabre and the paranormal and supernatural. And it was 2008 when I released my first book. And it was sort of a send off to my grandmother who spent years and years while I was a child telling me uh, crazy and kooky paranormal and unexplained stories uh, about the gooseneck mountains of Kentucky where she grew up uh, around Salyersville and the mountain witches and things of that nature and fireballs in the sky chasing you through the woods, Bigfoot sightings. So I kind of just decided to do a book originally, which was titled Paranormal Chronicles, as paying homage to my grandmother for the awesome story she told me and to share it with the world or to whomever wanted to read it. And it really took off faster than I expected. And then I got invited to festivals and conventions to speak and talk about my encounters and experiences and my very first book, which was released in 2008. And from there, it just took off and more people read my material and more people wanted to hear news stories from me. And that's what brought us to my second book, Haunted Chillicothe, which Chillicothe is where I live in Ohio. As I mentioned, it's Ohio's first capital, and it's also considered one of the most paranormally charged towns in the state of Ohio, if not just the Midwest alone. All right. That's very interesting, especially your your grandmother there. Um, mm -hmm. So let's talk about her a little bit more. Do you remember some of the things that she told you about, you know, the mountain witches and 
Bigfoot sightings oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Tell us something that she told you at, at a young well, age. Well, for example, the, the Mountain Witch story involved her and her sister uh, taking a shortcut through the woods to get back from the market to their farm home. And they they went into a trail that was marked, do not cross, do not pass, by this woman who lived in the, the mountains. She was a hermit. Her husband had died. And she lived alone uh, in this cabin. And everyone thought she was a witch. And my grandmother and her sister were walking through the field and went past one of her barn areas that had sort of like halfway uh, open glass to where they could peek in at the barn. And they saw like an entire entourage of tiny little dolls that she handmade out of um, hedge apples. And you would wait till the hedge apple would turn brown and almost dark, close to black. And then you would shape a face into it and then create a doll body and attach the hedge apple as the head to the body. And then everyone thought they were voodoo dolls and it took off from there. So I, I took that story and had a lot of fun with writing about it and you know, took some creative liberties with the story of the Mountain Witch in, in my very first book. Did she ever tell you that she saw this lady or anyone do any, anything strange ever? Um, hanging, hanging their laundry out in the moonlight because she believed that the moonlight would dry the laundry faster than the sunlight. And she was eccentric, uh, a friendly older lady from what my grandmother told me, but everyone told the kids to stay away from the mountain witch because she'll eat you or she'll turn you into a doll, things like that. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so did, did your grandmother ever experience anything paranormal that she told oh, you yeah. about? She, she had a friend uh, when they were very young who drowned from a flash flood uh, at a nearby river. And it was the year anniversary of her friend's death. And she would just started thinking about her and said a prayer uh, just to let her know if she were in heaven that she was thinking about her. And she goes out to get water from the well, and it's close to dusk at this point. And she looks at the open field that separated her farm from her friend's farm, and she saw her friend walking the property towards her. And the same dog that her friend had was following the, it would have to be the spirit of the girl, of the girl because it was a year later, following the girl. And like running around and dancing around her. And as she got closer to my grandmother, she just dissipated, completely disappeared. And the dog just stood uh, completely confused and then just ran back to the property. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, they do look very solid, you know, very real. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not like because um, I've seen one. <laughs> I'm just saying that I've, <laughs> yeah. I've seen it. So I know that um, if if they decide to show themselves, they can look totally Totally real. Um, that's amazing. Okay, so okay, so your grandmother. What about your, you know, papa or something? I don't know if you call him papa, but your your, <laughs> your grandfather. Did it? What about him? I mean, did he ever well, experience anything weird? I I wasn't fortunate enough to have any stories shared with me by my grandfather. He died when I was three, and it wasn't until my twenties that I was told the real reason why he died. He took his own life. And oh. for years, we were all told that he just died from old age. But at that time that he was suffering from depression and abusing alcohol because he had three of my uncles at that time were in Vietnam. And he was dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety and fear. And it just kind of took over. After they got back, 
And then a few years passed and the depression got worse and the alcoholism became more. Uh, I was three. It was 1978. And he took his own life. And then probably a year later and for several years after that point, the year anniversary of my grandfather's death, I kept seeing him and he would appear to me a lot around the week anniversary, the, the week that it happened. And he would smile and then reach out to me. But then he would look like he was filled with anguish or dread. And then the entire feeling, the atmosphere, what I was experiencing would change to dread instead of happiness of seeing my grandfather. And he just looked like he was in a lot of pain. And probably by the age of 11 or 12, when this happened again, the following year, I myself took my grandmother's advice and said a prayer uh, saying, God, do what you can to help him find peace wherever he needs to go or whatever you need to do. Just let him cross over so he doesn't have to suffer anymore. And after that point, I never encountered him anymore in that state. Okay. And he looked totally like real and solid to you. Yeah. Was, would he, would you talk to him? I would, but he would not respond verbally, but it was almost as if I could read his thoughts. But he he would make eye contact with, I mean, he was looking at you. Yeah. And reaching out to me. Wow. Did you ever go to him or no? And by the time I would get close enough, he would disappear like a poof of fog. That didn't scare the bejesus out of you? The more it happened, the more I got used to it and the more it piqued my interest. Yeah, that happens sometimes. You know, they'll come to you. So this totally seemed like an intelligent thing. You know, this wasn't. Absolutely did. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, it was not residual. I felt connected. Okay. All right. Um. All right. Well, so we're going to talk about your haunted ho- hometown of mm-hmm. o- in, in Ohio and it's Chillicothe. Did I say that right? Correct. Chillicothe. Yes, All right. Awesome. Okay. So start off by telling us where in Ohio it is and a little bit about the haunted history there. Then we'll start talking about the details of it. Okay. Chillicothe is about an hour and 15 minutes north of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and exactly 45 minutes south of Columbus, which Columbus is the capital of Ohio. And I'm sure everyone has heard of Columbus because of the Ohio State Buckeyes. But Chillicothe, there's a haunted theater known as the Majestic Theater, and it's one of the oldest Theater still in operation and was erected in the mid-1800s. And there had been an enclave of classic entertainers and comedians and singers, musicians, and so forth that had come through that area. And it was also a – I guess you could call it a disposal point for people who had perished during the flu of 1918 because ground zero for the Midwest was – Camp Sherman, which is up the road in Chillicothe, out of town on what's known as Veterans Parkway, uh, the Veterans uh, Commemorative Highway. And it's uh, also 104 is what it's called. And now what operates there is the VA hospital and the Mound City Group, which are ancient um, Hopewell Indian burial sites. But the Majestic Theater is a supercharged paranormal hotspot, which I've I've had the luxury of going through many times and there was a movie monster marathon in 1995 that I was present at. 
And it was in 1997. I went to this monster movie marathon. They used to have these every year. And uh, during intermission, I went past the concession stand, decided I better go to the restroom before the next feature. And I walked down the stairs. The stairs are weird because the ceiling kind of drops down the lower. You take the stairs to the basement area where the bathrooms are. And it was obviously made for much um, more narrow and short people. Uh, I'm not taking into consideration that um, average man is now like 5'10 and up. Uh, it was made for someone that was comfortably 5'8. So you have to duck a little bit when you walk into there. And as I come in, there is a man to my right dressed in a blue jumpsuit like you would see you know, a mechanic wearing or a janitor wearing in the 1950s, 60s, or 70s, uh, the zip-up suits. And he's mopping this area of the floor in the corner. And I almost walked directly into him. And I say, oh, excuse me, sir. I didn't see you there. I just about knocked you over. He didn't look up, didn't respond to me. His back just remained in position where it was, and he continued to mop the area. So I go and uh, into the stall, and I come out to wash my hands when I'm finished. And I look again, and he's still in the same position, and he's still mopping. But what's interesting is the floor was soaked where he was mopping, but there was no mop bucket. So I'm not sure where he was getting the water or why he wasn't wringing it out and why he wasn't responding to my comment to him earlier. So I say to him again to try to strike up conversation, I would have to say that's the cleanest spot on the floor, sir. And then he stopped mopping. He looked up and turned and looked at me with like complete shock as if, how dare you talk to me? And I stand and look at him, and then he grabs the mop, quickly turns to the right, and darts up the stairs. While I dry my hands off, I walk up the stairs shortly after him, and he's not anywhere in the concession area, in the foyer. But you ever get the feeling like when you walk into a certain spot and everyone stares at you because you're someone new in the room, and they're just checking out who you are to see who you are? Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. kind of what happened to me when I – stopped and looked around a bit and I looked straight up and he was all the way on the third floor of the spiral staircase that takes you up to the projector room. And he's got his hands on the um, rails of the stairs and he's just peering down at me and he looks angry. So any normal person would quickly run away and say, I'm not messing with that, but all not me. I continued up the stairs after him and continued to follow. And when I got to the floor that he was on, I see him walking away and then he walks through the door that's at the end of the hall and not turning the doorknob to walk in, but he just walks through it, a solid object. And I make my way down the end of that hall and I turn the knob and open it and it's a janitor's closet. Holy mother. And as I close the door back, uh, I'm backing away from it, and I'm looking to my left and looking to my right. And along the right, um, uh, all along the wall, there are pictures of the old crew, the old cast of people who've acted in community theater, uh, different celebrities who've appeared there, and the cast and crew of certain years. And I looked at the cast and crew for like – I think it was 1958 – And there's that exact same janitor standing next to the people that run the concession and run security and the manager of the theater standing right there next to them with the same look on his face 
that I had seen previously. Wow. Okay. Do you have that somewhere? I mean, can we see it online somewhere on a website uh, or anything? Yeah, that's on my YouTube channel. I YouTube. Okay. retell the story of my encounter. Plus, it's available in my first book, Paranormally Speaking, Tales of um, Tales of Humor, Horror, and Absolute Terror. But as an adult, is that the... Next time, as an that adult, happen? that was the first real solid encounter I've had. Okay, um, before that, I had had like movement out of the corner of my eye, mm-hmm. or a disembodied voice, or a, a phantom aroma, a scent of some sort, but nothing that solid and that uh, right in your face. No, and you weren't fearful at that time. I'm trying to get g- give us a sense of your emotions. I mean, you know, something's off about this guy. Um, he's mopping. And there's no bucket anywhere around. And was it wet? Was it actually, was the floor actually wet from from a mop, seemingly, or no? Uh, When I walked past the area, it was dry as a bone. When he took off and went up the stairs, there was no water on the floor after I had seen water the second before. Wow, okay. All right, so he took off upstairs with the mop, and he goes through a solid door. You weren't hesitant at that time. I don't think I would have <laughs> definitely would have opened that door. I wouldn't have, but there was a two second delay for me. Other way. <laughs> <laughs> now there there are situations and times where I've encountered something and if I get a sense of anything negative or dark, I'm like, Nope, that's as far as I'm going. <laughs> yeah. But I, I didn't get that from him. I just got uh, it was like I want to communicate with you, but I don't know how because you're a human being. How do you see me? Is kind of the vibe I got from him. And I was just trying to follow through with the process of communication there between the two of us. He never said anything. But I mean, this, they, he totally, well, it seemed like you kind of aggravated him. I don't mean to say that in a bad way, but because you kept trying to say things to him and it seeming you know seemingly he didn't want to communicate with you until you said you know that's the wettest or the cleanest spot on the floor so this spirit actually looked at you turned and looked at you yeah looked wow. right through me and there's just something about theaters that seem to attract spirits that used to work there or act in plays or something it's, um, because it seems like they're all haunted isn't that they're all haunted I'm serious um that that is absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and there are happy places and it may not be anything malevolent there, but um, is the theater still open? Is it still the, there? It is still open and operation. Uh, they did have a, a brief moment in time where they were not operating because of COVID, but it, they do still feature like groups that come in, tribute bands, comedians, things like that. They don't show movies anymore. But they do um, feature other acts like that. I would be interested in um, if you've – well, let me ask you. Have you talked to anybody else? Have you interviewed anyone that worked there that may have seen the same oh, guy? Yeah. Um, yeah. What kind of um, stories were they giving you? There are two people in particular I'm, I'm relatively close with. Uh, one of them had encountered – there was a hotel that used to be connected to the Majestic, and it was a hotel that the traveling actors would stay in uh, while working on rehearsals and whatnot. And it was like rooms were comped for them, and that hotel caught on fire in the 1950s, and several of the actors had perished along with a couple of the kids that accompanied them. And 
there was a breezeway that connected underground between the theater and the hotel. And one of the little girls was trying to get out of the hotel through that breezeway into the majestic to get through there and to safety. But the door was locked on the other end and she died from smoke inhalation. And there have been people that worked there and one who managed it for years who had encountered that little girl in the basement dressing room area. And several actors have encountered her. Uh, in fact, there have been, one of the investigations I did, there have been pictures that were taken by members of my team that show like almost looks like a bellhop or an usher that is standing directly behind them as a reflection into the mirror that they were taking a picture of that's in the room. And you see the full outline of a, a man wearing a white button-down shirt, except there's no facial features. You see the hands hanging down. And you see like some sort of hat on their head. And there have also been where the floor used to go in the Majestic Theater. It used to go straight across. But since renovations, they've lowered the floor to where it goes down in order to put more seats in. So it's more staggered that way. But there have been encounters where people have seen an older gentleman in a like a top coat walking along the walkway with a cane. And he will, will walk straight out into the air where the floor used to be level, and he'll come up to the stage area and disappear. And there was another author that I'm acquainted with out of Dayton. Her name is Chris Woodard, and she is the author of the Haunted Ohio series. And she had ex encountered that specific spirit I'm speaking about who will walk up and down the aisle way into midair where the floor used to be level and just disappear. You know, it's just something about uh, a theater. They just seem to be haunted, which makes them great uh, places for paranormal investigators. OK, so let's go on to something else. I want to know, OK, you mentioned um, Indian burial sites uh, in in your town. Are they prevalent in the, I mean, are they in certain areas? Tell, tell me a little bit about them. And then if you've heard about any phenomena happening around those areas. They used to be all over town before the industrial age and before um, people moving in and desecrating a land that they know nothing about and just coming in and, and shoving earth and moving things around to set up their house or set up camp or set up businesses and there was a time where they would find relics or find bones and just completely level it and move it. Or they would gather it in buckets or barrels and then just store it off to do something with it on a rainy day. Uh, there's the downtown area of Chillicothe along Paint Street, which was adjacent to the canal that went down Water Street because the Erie Canal flowed through town regularly and was used regularly. And – the part of Paint Street used to have Indian mounds that had been there for decades, a century, if, if not that long. And when they came in to start setting up buildings and creating businesses, they destroyed the mounds that were there and did little to preserve it, if anything at all. And there have been police officers who have talked to me. And during the blizzard of 1978, when they were driving down Payne Street to make sure the streets were clear, people were closing their businesses and people were moving on. There was an encounter a sheriff's deputy had with an Indian spirit walking down Payne Street and down the alley. He didn't see a full body apparition, but it was strange how it happened because he saw the outline of what appeared to be a Native American 
and the snow falling around the body and creating an outline of a body and movement in the snow that his light from the front of his cruiser caught as it crossed in front of him into the alley. And then there's an area in town that's called Shawnee Square, and all the businesses there, they all have paranormal encounters and strange phenomenon and things happening in those businesses because it's right by the river, and what used to be there were Indian mounds. And they toppled all of that, moved those relics and bones and bodies out of there and not properly handling them, and obviously ticked off a lot of ancient spirits that were here and that were prevalent in the valley. And yeah. with Sherman, uh, Sherman uh, Camp Sherman, I mentioned, there used to be from the Hopewell Indians and the, orig- uh, the original that were like prehistoric Indians that were here before the Hopewell were discovered along 104 and the Veterans VA Memorial Hospital area. There were Indian mounds all over the place. Camp Sherman tore those out, set up camp, and strange things were happening there from that point on. And historians came in, evaluated the findings, the relics, the bones, and then decided to basically recreate the mounds that were there and put the relics back. Now, that's not necessarily the appropriate way to handle those things or the inhabitants that were there before or an honorable way to do it, but they did rebuild the mounds and put the relics back. Gotcha. Yeah, it's that's the respectful thing to do. I mean, we have one that's in a prevalent neighborhood um, here in Knoxville, mm-hmm. and there's a Indian mound that's actually right in the middle of where everyone walks. Like if you wanted to walk and get exercise in this neighborhood, it's yeah. right in the middle of that walkway, but what they, they left it alone and it just put a sidewalk over top of it. But then it's got a, you know, a little plaque where it tells you about the burial mound. You know what I'm saying? And that's, mm. they left it alone, but it's right in the middle of a, a beautiful neighborhood um, here in Knoxville. But I don't advise anyone to mess with those. Um, because, oh, no. <laughs> you know, for obvious reasons, you know, it's just disrespectful and desecration of those sacred grounds. I mean, Native Americans were very, very um, spiritual people. But let me yeah, ask you this. Let's really go back connected. to the police officer, the police officer mm-hmm. that saw a spirit of some kind. Have you gotten any more reports like that? I mean, I love hearing stuff, you know, any reports from police officers or anything like that. What about ambulance drivers? Cool. Um, an ambulance driver, uh, that's interesting you mentioned an EMT. Uh, I was about to go into that story, actually. Uh, out here on Western Avenue in Chillicothe, there's businesses all along the strip. And it used to be known as like a trading area for many, many years before uh, Westerners came in and desecrated the land and, and set up uh, capitalism. And they used to trade and sit there and share stories And then all these businesses come in and start setting up camp in the 1950s on up and changing the whole landscape. There was an EMT who stopped at a gas station, which is directly across the street from uh, what sits on the property now is a tire shop, uh, used car lot as well. And he was at that gas station, which was across the road from it. And as he's pulling out, he sees something move behind the building at that tire shop way after hours he's like what the heck is that so he pulls up into their parking lot and drives slowly with his brights on to get a better look at what he had seen and he saw 
a white spotted horse with what appeared to be an Indian warrior riding on the back of it, no saddle. And, you know, we have Tecumseh Theater here, outdoor theater in Chillicothe. The Tecumseh Theater is world-renowned. It's an outdoor drama. And he's thinking, did I just drive into the middle of a rehearsal for Tecumseh? Because it looked as authentic as the Tecumseh Outdoor Theater looks, with just one individual on a white-spotted horse behind this tire shop business, which there's a huge access point to the river behind there as well. All of this seems to happen near rivers, and that's because water's kinetic and and things flow, energy flows from rivers, and Native Americans felt a spiritual connection to water, and that was something significant to them. And that's where he saw this was closest to um, where the river meets uh, Paint Creek in that area, and that's a huge fishing area and boating area for this region here. And he saw them stop, look in his direction, and then run off into the woods and go to the tree line and disappear. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that's creepy. Um Yeah, uh, I just, you know, that's that may be a good book for you to talk about, you know, like EMTs and nurses and doctors maybe in that area that that may be willing to share stories of encounters that they've had in cuz I, you know, hospitals too. I mean, come on. Probably every hospital in the in the world is haunted they've seen something but if it was like my encounter where they look totally solid i mean it would be very hard to to say one way or another whether they encountered a spirit unless they know that person truly died you know what i'm saying but have you gotten anything like that from any medical staff in the area have you researched that at all i was the human resources uh, manager for a nursing home in southern ohio right after college and it was one of my first suit and tie jobs, right? So I did that for a while, and I became close with a lot of the residents. But on the flip side, I saw a lot of the neglect that goes on with people living in nursing homes, um, not necessarily by staff or by nurses, because the people I worked with were top-notch. They were very attentive. But a lot of family members will send their elders to just die alone in these places, So as a result, I formed a lot of friendships with these older people because they needed someone to talk to and share their stories with. And there was one in particular. Her name was Patty. And she wasn't too connected mentally, but uh, she was nice enough. And she always liked to have a bag of chips or some kind of a snack or – uh, she drank too much cola for her own good. I mean, if she if she wasn't if she hadn't died from a diabetic coma, she would have died from something else. It was just entirely too much sugar intake. So, what happened to her at the end of my day? It was this was on a Friday. She had gone into shock. Her body went into shock somehow as she collapsed in the recreational room, and it was by the TV in front of all these other patients. And there was one patient down the hall who hated Patty. They fought like cats and dogs. They fought like sisters, right? So as Patty is lying there on the floor, slowly dying, going in and out of consciousness, uh, one of our nurses is holding her hand, and her body temperature was going up, then it was going down. and She started started going into uh, having seizures, and 
foaming at the mouth, I hear the resident down the hall who hates Patty all of a sudden screaming at Patty and telling her to get out of her room and stop touching her stuff. And this goes on for a few seconds while I'm watching Patty on the floor and I'm hearing the commotion down the hall. So I start walking in the direction of where I hear the other residents screaming at Patty, who coincidentally is dying right in front of me on the floor in the recreational room. And as I walk down the hall, the fighting gets more and more intense. And I make it to the doorway and I stop and look in. And that resident is screaming at the corner of her room, which is directly beneath the TV mounted to her wall. And throwing her pillow and throwing like a bottle of lotion or some kind of a cup in the corner and telling her to get out of her room and leave her alone. You're not supposed to be in here. And I felt Patty in there. I didn't feel her on the floor as she was dying, but she was gone. I felt her in that room as if she were still there. And I, it felt like she was laughing. Like it, it felt like she was experiencing joy. At that moment of agitating that woman one last time before crossing over, <laughs> and then it just kind of calmed down after a few seconds, and everything went back to normal, and she went back to her bed and just sat down as if Patty had left on her own or something. Right. That's that's wild, man. Yeah. Did, did you ask her if she saw her? Did you come back later and say, hey, did you did you see her in your room? Yeah, or? That, that following Monday, I you know gave it a weekend, gave it some time. And went and talked to her and asked her how everything's been, how her weekend was, if she had any visitors, if she watched anything good on TV. And I asked her about Patty. And she had heard that Patty had passed. And she said, yeah, she came to say bye. And she kept touching my stuff. So I'm like, yeah, she was there. Uh, that's wild. Um, that's a good story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Have you um, ha- has anyone ever submitted any pictures or videos to you for your research? Have you seen anything good or, or that oh, you would goodness. say is credible in your opinion? There's a lot of fat to cut off uh, of, of the proverbial stake because not everything is going to be paranormal or a ghost or a real alien piloting a UFO or a real Bigfoot or a Mothman or a water monster and there have been a lot of people who have tried to pass off videos of just random guys in ghillie suits are you familiar with a ghillie suit no no i'm not it's a type of suit that hunters wear that looks like a full-on bush with arms and legs and you look like some kind of a bush monster Uh, but it's just a guy in a suit and people have tried to pass some random Joe Blow walking around in a ghillie suit as some kind of a cryptid or a Bigfoot monster. And I'm like, yeah, it's obviously a ghillie suit. But I, I get a lot of silly stuff. But sometimes I'll share the silly stuff on my YouTube because it's laughable. Uh, another Other times I share authentic evidence that I've dissected and found to be valid or maybe um, something that's not quite conclusive. But I'll leave it up to you to decide what you think it might be. Because I found it interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and that stuff we can see online too, right? Somewhere that you... Yes, you can. Okay. Yeah, I shared the, the link of my YouTube channel with you. Okay, awesome. All right, so I'll put that in the the show notes as well. The last place I want to talk about as far as your town is concerned, do you have, do you guys have any cemeteries that are thought to be haunted? The most, honestly, I mean, if you can say this, the most amazing cemetery that we go to regularly 
is in a small fishing town in North Carolina called Beaufort, North Carolina. It's a town that was originally founded by sailors and the Dutch and was inhabited by a strong Cherokee influence and pirates inhabited that area. And in their cemetery, they have military that have been buried there. They have pirates that have been buried there. Um, slaves that have been buried there, and they've actually buried Catholics and Protestants together, which usually is a no-no for Catholics. Uh, they won't allow Protestants to be buried in their cemeteries, but awesome. Fortunately, they set a different standard in North Carolina where everyone, regardless of your background, you can all be buried together if you lived together, served together, or were friends and family together. And, and this one of the most open formats of any cemetery I've ever seen. And there's actually one of the most active sites in that cemetery. It's, it's, it's um, the girl and the rum barrel is the tale of this young girl who died from yellow fever while coming across the ocean from England to Beaufort to, for her father and her to meet with her mother uh, because she had set up uh, housing and had started teaching in North Carolina, and the father was a military man. So they came over. She unfortunately got yellow fever while traveling and died before making it to North Carolina. And to preserve her body, the father had her placed in a barrel of rum. And that kept the body from decaying and kept her preserved long enough so the mother could see her one last time before they buried her. But the legend is she's buried in the rum barrel. I don't necessarily think that's true. But the cool point about her burial site, and it's an old wooden tombstone. Everything's still engraved in it from the 1700s. It's barely legible, but you know it's there. And every year people come to that grave site from around the United States, if not around the world, and they place toys and trinkets, necklaces, stuffed toys dolls and handwritten letters uh, my children and i uh, i've always gone myself before i even had kids but after my wife and i had our children i would take them every year and tell them the same tale of this poor girl who died and was stuffed in a rum barrel and every year my well my son now is 14 my daughter's 12 they still want to go to her gravesite at that age and they still want to bring her seashells or do a handwritten letter and leave it there for her. And then we still talk about how cool it would be if during like the full moon, her spirit comes out and plays with these things. I would love to visit your little town, actually. I really would. And I'm going to look it up and and try to uh, post articles about things I find about. I mean, you guys have to have that stuff online somewhere, I'm sure. Or oh, it is. Okay, yeah. good, good. So I'll, I'll yeah, link if to you, If you go to, to Google, if you go to Google and look up my name, Neil Parks, you will find uh, an entire enclave of information and, and um, things I've written about, talked about, um, have done documentaries about, and uh, pictures of me and the places I've been, access to videos. It's all there. Very cool. Neil, I want you to tell my listeners where they can keep up with it, any other any other books or projects you're working on. You can always find me um, on Amazon. You can get on Amazon and follow my profile, which just look up my books, hit my name, Neil Parks on Amazon. It'll bring up my profile information. You can hit follow. 
and you're as good as gold there. Uh, I'm all over YouTube. My podcast is on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and of course through Anchor, who publishes my podcast. Am I allowed to plug my podcast on your podcast? Yes, yes. <laughs> you're okay. good. It's, yeah, it's yeah, called, you're yeah, go it's ahead. called Paranormal, Paranormally Speaking with Neil Parks. Um, I used to be on The Soup on uh, RN Radio, but um, had creative differences with them. And they were wanting me to declare everything is haunted and demonic. I'm like, not everything is. Chill out. So you can find me on that. Uh, you can also order my books through that medium. And um, I'm on TikTok. And I have a Twitter account, which honestly, Twitter is silly if you're not a celebrity, but I'm still on it. <laughs> awesome. I really enjoyed this conversation uh, with you, Neil. Many blessings to you. And I really appreciate your time. I thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for listening. I invite you to follow my other podcast, Mysterious Radio. Please share this show with others that are interested in the paranormal. I want to give a special thanks to our co-creator and executive producer, Kim Kyle, who brought this show to you today. And working hard behind the scenes, our team of four, I want to thank them as well. I am your host, K-Town. And you're listening to Paranormal Fears. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.